0: Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Naffy Break podcast. I'm your host as always Dominic O'Sullivan and we talk about all aspects of the transition from the military into a second career. Now those conversations have taken us to numerous places the individual lived experience of our veterans, Uh, We've also spoken to families and how it impacts on the family leaving the service. And we've talked to people who work in organisations that support uh, our veteran community as well. Um, I'm delighted today to be joined by our overseas guests today, all the way from Denmark, uh, daughter Holm Jakobsen, and I've been practising my pronunciation, so you'll be pleased about that one, Um, all the way from Denmark. Daughter, welcome on to the Naffy Break podcast.
1: <laughs> thank you, Dominic. Thank you for having me. I'm honoured um, to, to be able to take part in one of your podcasts. So thank you very much. sir.
0: Well, listen. We originally made contact, and I made contact with you because of things that were on LinkedIn, and we kind of, you know, made that connection there. And we've had a few conversations off air before today. But you know, first of all, for a little bit of context, first of all, what, what's your what's your current role? What are you doing right now over in Denmark? And what's what's the relationship to the military for for yourself?
1: Well, I'm a self-employed um, consultant and instructor and language teacher and culture teacher and mentor. Uh, so I'm, I'm keeping quite busy in some of Denmark's uh, largest uh, firms. And my connection with the uh, army uh, is many, or uh, the armed forces. I, of course, have uh, friends there and uh, I have uh, been married uh, to soldiers uh, in the Army, and uh, my son is at the moment in the Danish Artillery Regiment. And I have been able to instruct soldiers uh, prior to deployment in uh, both the Balkan War and Afghanistan.
0: So you, you've seen it, I suppose, You know, with a, a slightly different lens, looking at people in the military, looking at how they respond and, and kind of things that they go through and and, and obviously working with them. Um, it's an hour... Um, our involvement, our communication started over a series of um, of publications which you contributed to. Uh, and I kind of want to highlight that first of all, if you could. Just, just for the benefit of the listeners, just, just tell us about these resources that you've contributed to, which are in publication for the benefit of serving people, servicemen within within the Danish Army. Just, just give us a little bit of a background on that, if you could.
1: Well, I, I participated in a book that was um, ordered to be done by our MOD. And in the book, as a pin and a mother and a partner, um, you get to tell your story and what it's like to be uh, living with a, a soldier who comes home uh, injured either physically or, or mentally. And um, we spoke quite openly about that. And there were 15 adults who gave their part in the book. And uh, 14 children in the age of 15, sorry, 5 to 12, gave their take on it. And we have 10 teenagers who did exactly the same. So there are three books that tell uh, the world what it's like to sit at the receiving end sorry when the when the soldiers come back home and they are injured in one way or the other
0: yeah no i think you know it's it's, i suppose it's the elephant in the room to a certain degree here because we do focus in the transition about how that individual approaches it how they plan when they look at you know what they're going to do but of course particularly when they've served or they've been maybe in military housing particularly in this country when they leave the service the whole family leaves the service you know and potentially the the, the, the relationships and the network that they have around them suddenly disappears uh, and they move. I suppose, first of all, from a, from a cultural point of view and similarities between, you know, the, the British uh, armed forces and obviously what you have over in Europe, particularly in Denmark, um, what is that culture like in terms of, I suppose, living on base, living off base, you know, people living in their own home versus you know military provided accommodation what does that what does that environment look like uh, if you if you serve in denmark
1: well in my municipality we have three garrisons and um normally uh, people living at the barracks are uh, very young uh, soldiers and hardly ever families and if it's families it's in the transition period of finding their own homes that they can uh, locate into the local villages or the towns and, and then become a part of, of life there. So they commute to the barracks, but uh, the commute is not that far here in Denmark because we are a small nation. Uh, but they, they take part in, uh, in uh, the social life, the uh, leisure time life, the maybe in politics, maybe in um, getting jobs uh, in the local shops. And uh, we integrate them uh, as a part of society and take them out of the military from can you say five o'clock in the afternoon and um, put them back in at seven in the morning to make sure that well
0: they I, I didn't do too many days till five o'clock I was in the Air Force to be honest we finished a little bit earlier than that most days I'll say that now before some of the listeners will say well what would you know you're in the Air Force um I, I suppose you know that the subject of the the podcast in particular is about the change the the, the adaptation to to leave in the service. But what you've described there is that integration into the community um, while you're still serving and actually being part of that community. And I and I suppose the reality is the commute time or the distance that you can, you know, physically live off base and still get to work. But imagine you do get concentrations of people who are serving in the same community or very close to each other. So it's not, it's not a total civilian kind of community in some ways that there's quite strong pockets of of serving people is that is that accurate or or actually are they outnumbered in, in some ways
1: no we we do have a, a large number of um, <clears throat> army uh, families living uh, here and we are uh, trying to um, address their needs uh, more than can you say my needs being a civilian um, so so we cater for them in in any aspect that we can and the and the um, local politicians are quite aware of uh, what we need to um, to increase on or decrease on to to make them feel uh, welcome here.
0: And one of the subjects of conversation here, of course, is as soon as we start championing veteran causes in particular, some people look at that as why are they getting more favorable treatment. and isn't a case of that? It's actually they're getting different. They've got different needs. It's not a case of one group getting something over the other. It is just applying it differently. And I think the way you've described it there sounds sounds you know much very much a parallel there. um well, I'm going to talk specifically here now about the effect on relationships. Uh, and I suppose if I can put this to you first of all, when people serve, they can be exposed to, as, as you've alluded to earlier on, traumatic events you know they could have been in in theater there could be IEDs they could have received injuries during their service but then there are also things that happen to them which aren't necessarily classed as a traumatic event as such but the impact is traumatic on them you know whether they've seen something or, or just an environment that they've been in how, how do you distinguish that I suppose in terms of the effect on the relationship and the, the changes in behaviour later on. Do you do you only focus on people who are injured or have been into a traumatic event or do you just look at the effect of service and how that kind of legacy takes uh, t- uh, takes over?
1: Um, well, we, we try to um, cater for the whole family. Um, so when they come back and uh, show no sign we know that there will be a sign at a point and we're trying to be uh, observant to when that sign shows. And uh, while they are posted, uh, we have started to do groups for children so that they can uh, be together um, and, and talk about the same things. Because my maybe at school, uh, the other children have no idea what they're talking about. So we are trying to to, to be two steps ahead Um Maybe for the partners, we don't really have that much uh, to offer. Um, so we are focusing more on the on the young children uh, and children in general.
0: Uh, now you've mentioned about the obviously how the the books came about and the, and the contribution to those. Yeah, I suppose there's also uh, for who's who's available to access these books. I suppose and and how are these books positioned? And you said they were commissioned by the MOD, but. Who's who's reading them? Who who's actually getting this information and these insights?
1: Well, the the soldiers are presented to them, and they are offered a free copy uh, of all three books to take home. And the books are also used to educate the soldiers uh, in their pedagogical studies, uh, which mean that they are aware that um, their families have a view um, to to what's going on uh, before they go and during their exercises. Uh, prior to the deployment um so and any anyone who would like to to get a hold of the book and if you are uh in the book you can get them for free uh you can buy them uh and as i said they are free on all um barracks in the country if you want them
0: so so i suppose making these aware to the serving person you know i can i can think of conversations that i've had with people where the service person is given information uh, maybe about their transition or preparing for their transition but they almost keep it to themselves that they're not sharing that information and and involving their partner or their family in some of the decision making are there barriers still to be broken down you know i i, I suppose the uk we we characterise ourselves as stiff upper lick, men don't talk, all those kinds of you know stereotypes, and we're trying to trying to obviously change that as a society. But I kind of wonder what's the what's this what society like within Denmark in terms of openness and particularly serving people, opening up about you know the, the how they feel to to partners and family
1: well we teach our children from school uh very young to have an opinion about most matters <clears throat> and and add the opinion so so we are taught to 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 talk uh but you can say the army has a certain or the forces have a certain element of um um topics to uh talk about and topics you don't talk about but i think they are quite good at at um at telling you the necessity of opening up and uh, being honest, at least not if to anyone, then to yourself. And I think yeah. that it's working quite well. So they are speaking, the soldiers. They are, and you can tell when they are not. There are these two groups. You can spot them in the crowd if you could.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I think interesting where you said is when when people are quiet, when they're not mm. actually speaking, is yes. is the kind of almost the warning sign to go. You know, it's it's brewing under the surface. Um, you know. Obviously, in terms of contributing to the to those books, how did that change your? I suppose you you knew what you knew. Okay, the people who contributed to the book they knew their own truth and they knew how they'd experience it. But by sharing that and actually putting that down in writing and comparing those experiences to how they affect children of different ages, what what were the big learns for you personally when you when you saw the? A collection of stories and input from other people
1: I did learn that uh, embarrassment was one of the major figures from the partners because they felt they were not strong enough to keep the the family together or the soldier or the children so the 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 big thing on on this were for all of us uh, the embarrassment.
0: Do, do you think that's because, and I and I, I use our services as an analogy here, because obviously I've, you know, I've not served in Denmark, but I think when when the serving person is detached, they're away on exercise, or they're away on ops, and they're away for a long period of time. The person that holds it all together is the partner. You know, they become mum and dad, mm-hmm. they become mechanic. Uh, you know washing machine repairer that they kind of school taxi or they they take on all these responsibilities well not necessarily willingly but by necessity they have to do those things so you think that almost kind of well I coped with that I coped with them being away and I don't want to admit that I'm not coping with them now that they're back is that is that the essence of it really in that embarrassment do you think?
1: Um, it is, yes. Uh, but, but did you really cope while he was away or she was away? Did you really do the things that were necessary to keep it all together? How, how do you measure that? How do you, how do you figure out? You cannot really answer that until the partner is back. And then you realize, Oh my God, (laughs) it didn't quite turn out maybe the way it could have or should have. But, um, so, so that is where it starts escalating in all kinds of directions.
0: Yeah, and I think when you know, I you know, I've heard many guests sort of talk about when they come back, and even even some people who are working at the other side of the country and commute home on weekends. Actually, when they come back, the family routine is is not one that they're familiar with. You know, it's almost like, well, you don't put that there. Don't put. Don't leave your boots there. Don't, you know, when you're not here, this is how we function. I am I, almost kind of wondering if if part of the the, the challenge for the family is is the return it's not necessarily the time when they're away it's actually how do you reintegrate back into that family unit if you've been away for you know four months and also come back with some pretty pretty difficult memories from it as well is that I mean would you kind of rate that as almost a bigger challenge than than the actual separation part
1: yes of course it is because we have all nothing aesthetic in this world and we all move and uh, for them to come and go and come and go, uh, we sort of live in a limbo, and uh, we keep to move. We need to keep moving forward, and and they are the uh, can you say the extra that comes in to help with <laughs> the car and the boiler and everything that goes wrong. And you try to um, find a, a, a place and a space where you can be that item that you were before deployment. And and that gets harder and harder because if the deployments gets uh, more and more frequent, then the distance between the two adults also starts to distance, and uh, and it is just uh it's just not easy to combine the two for, for anybody. I think.
0: I, I wonder here whether there's almost a, a challenge in in personal identity. I suppose when you're together, when you get together, you know the, the traditional breadwinner, homemaker, whatever that is. And I know that's not necessarily modern relationships. You know, there's, there's much more equality about that. Yes. But I'm thinking now about, you know, let's traditionally go, the man is, I protect, I look, you know, I look after, I care, et cetera. Now, when you're away, you have to accept that you're not that person, that the, the person who's looking after the family is effectively that. And I just wonder if it's it's an identity struggle, as much as uh you know, you're rewriting the rules wh- when you come back. In, in terms of the people who contributed to the book, how did they portray this their own personal identity being affected when when the person returned from from ops or or, or from uh, conflict?
1: Well, the the young children, <clears throat> sorry, between five and twelve, they they feel that they become the extra adult, and the teenagers feel that they need to ignore. The soldier because they cannot relate to what has been happening or maybe they don't want to because in the time he was away all the questions that they have been asked uh, they cannot answer but really don't want to answer so they either isolate the soldier or themselves and the partners they are left to try and give the soldier room to fit back in while watching the children taking on a different personality. While you are still the mechanic and the cook and the hairdresser and the shopper, and you have to find yourself in that, and if you are not schooled to all these jobs, then there will be a crack somewhere at some point.
0: Now, there's obviously you know people do come back and they they've been away three or four months, but what's the difference? Or was there any input from people whose partner didn't come back? Who was actually you know they lost their life while serving, and the impact then of the family, the children having lost a parent uh, through service, was there? Was there any comparison to that?
1: Not
0: in the books. no. All right, okay. So we are talking about living, sort yes. of living experience, and 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 the, uh, the parents. And I and I asked that only you know, my involvement with the mm. with the British military charity, which looks after mm. bereaved children, and mm. and I suppose they're those trigger points. And and I would imagine that while a person is a parent is serving away, things like parades remembrance day or you know big state occasions where it's honoring the armed forces if their if their parent is not there i imagine that could be quite quite a difficult one emotionally for them to to, mm. to manage especially particularly in schools when they talk about you know armed forces day or something and their parents been away for three months but was anything was anything related from the children around that separation and and how they coped with it
1: Uh, There there are children groups where they they deal with these emotions, but we have on Veterans Day on the 5th of September, uh, we uh, give children to veterans or serving soldiers a medal on that day. So they call forward and stand in front of the whole parade and they are given the medal. And that seems to have shifted uh, the children's way of thinking because now they have a medal like mum and dad. Uh, may have uh, even though Danish soldiers don't don't really want to wear the medals unless they really really have to but the statement from the children wearing the medal uh, does wonders and it's uh
0: that is that's a- really interesting that's really interesting to me because I'm I suppose I'm assuming in some ways that that strengthens their identity with the armed forces that they have a personal connection there rather than it just being through the parent but interesting what you said about danish people not wanting to wear their medals at those parades what's what's behind that what's the what's the cultural difference there about not wanting to to identify with that
1: <clears throat> that is an issue i have not addressed because it is uh, very uh, sensitive. So I'll leave sure. you hanging on that. that,
0: <laughs> Sorry. that I, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> not, not, we don't have to get into every and granny on this podcast. I so appreciate that. Um, in terms of the, the books, you know, we talked about they are there, they are available. They're free resource to people who are serving. Do we have any indication of what the impact of the person reading those books, you know, are they, are they reading them for themselves and then you know it's kind of that's the end of it do we know that they're being taken home and discussed at home with the family with the with the children with the partner you know ha, ha, what have you seen as the impact of these of these publications
1: well the some of the some of the partners that i speak to um they actually had no idea that the books exist because the the armed uh, forces may not um, spread the word that they're out there and the soldier does not take them home, even though they are told to take them home and present to the family. So, um, you, you have to make people aware that they're there.
0: Yeah. And I suppose going back to my earlier point there is, you know, whether it's OK, I'm reading something that I'm uncomfortable about reading mm. and actually I'm not comfortable even discussing this with, with my partner. And I, I just wonder whether that's almost a bit of acknowledgement that oh, I can see myself, I can see my behavior change here and, and I am i haven't got my head around it yet. So I'm not ready to talk about it. Do you think that's, that's potentially a little bit of a, a, a barrier to overcome for them, that bit of self-awareness?
1: It's a huge barrier. Yes, it is. So instead mm. of confronting it, they they wait <laughs>
0: <Something> like <that. laughs> um, You know, I suppose when we when we talk there about you know making people aware of the impact on the family, and particularly, and you've mentioned a lot there on the children, and I, and I find it quite fascinating actually the um, or encouraging the the medal on the Armed Forces Day and a, acknowledgement of their part in the in the jigsaw and we've had um husband and wife couple on here before and i think i think tony dunn's exact words were you know i did the 35 years in the air force but it's the wife that should have got the medal you yeah. know and yeah. i I, yeah. I i you know actually the, you know maybe a little bit tongue in cheek but there's a there's a sense of truth behind that is that they you know she was helen was the one that stayed behind looked after the kids did all the, the jobs and stuff while so tony was away so you know i think there's there's an exact mirror there in, in, in what you described as um as coping with that person away um but i suppose the 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 negative behavior and that's ultimately what we're trying to identify here what are what are the negative behavior traits that we see in people when they when they return and, and how does that impact on the family what are the what are the common things that are maybe not i, I suppose if you go to the end degree potentially we're talking about suicidal thoughts we're talking about violence etc but Kind of, where's the scale where's the the start of those issues you know and they can progress obviously you know quite seriously but what kind of things are we identifying as the influences or the negative behavior
1: um well if i do understand you right um, um the behavior they come home with is uh, of course they are they are sensitive and they are on guard and they cannot relax and uh they're always at the ready and uh they might be a bit snappy in their responses. They can't be with you, uh, they can't go to family functions, they can't do concerts, and they they can't do the soccer training with their children either. And uh they isolate. And um I think all those are typical for, for just the, the top of the iceberg, <clears throat> and if we dive underneath that then there is aggression and there's domestic violence and there are threats of suicide. And I experienced that. And in the end of the day, I said, could you please stop threatening and just get it done? Because I have a life here. So if you want to be in my life, you either decide to stay or go. And uh, if you want to go, please do so. Just uh, don't do it in the house. Go somewhere else. uh, Just get on with it.
0: And, and that's quite stark. And the fact that you can talk about it and I, you know, as, as we're mm. having this conversation, like, oh, that's, that's pretty hard hitting. But I, yeah. I'd imagine for a lot of people who are in that situation and in your situation, you you almost want that kind of wake up call. You want someone to see their behavior and to appreciate what they're doing, the impact that it's having. I'm kind of, I suppose I'm, I'm hinting here, maybe at the I'm not saying the lower end of the scale, because actually the the daily isolation, not wanting to be around your own kids, you know, not wanting to integrate back into family and things like that, that you know, the longer that goes on, that has a real impact and a real change in the in the relationship. Is there a is there a particular time frame, or is there an identified time frame where these things start to manifest and start to surface? within a within a family
1: it depends on the on the soldier i think uh how strong or weak or how they're trained or what kind of personality they have or whether it's in their dna or if they've had a father or mother who has been sent to war when they were children or have they had experiences prior to deployment that has triggered something during deployment so i think it's all it's all um Uh, individual when you start seeing um, these signs uh, coming up but I think that we are we are pretty much schooled well the partners and the families to identify when it goes wrong and for some of them uh, it actually already starts prior to deployment the the anxiety and the uh, the need for that everything is in order and have I packed everything are you ready? what about the house what about Everything, the children, the meetings, the car, the dog, um, it all adds up to the tension. Um, so I think it's individually. It's, you cannot say it's uh, three weeks after, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you will you have to sit and wait <laughs> for the ticking problem yeah. to go louder in the ticking. <laughs> and,
0: and I think what you were describing there almost about the pre-deployment part, you know, the military loves a checklist, right? Have you packed yeah. this? Have you got this yeah. bit of kit? You know, there's a manifest before you go. Yes. But I almost kind of say, well, if we've got a checklist to go, where's the checklist when you come back? You know, what is the kind of the, the debrief, the decompression checklist that says, right, first and foremost, um, you have to make time for this. You have to have a conversation with this and whether it's a third party or somebody that you offload, that you start to address some of the things that you brought back. But I kind of wonder if, you know, in the same way that they respond well to lists on departure, whether whether actually they because they're so pre-programmed for lists, a, yeah. a, a return a returning list would actually help
1: them <laughs> in
0: that way. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, it should be like that, shouldn't it? Because it's like starting a project, isn't it? I mean, you have a bucket list and you tick it off and you do the same at the very end when you're done. So this this could be a way of controlling uh, quite a, a lot of things, things, I mean, material, but also emotionally and mentally. That would be a yeah, I, good idea, Dominic.
0: I, of- I suppose if, if you look at it, you know, I, I always kind of say, can we solve the problem upstream? You know, and mm-hmm. what you've indicated there is actually some of these problems are happening before they even leak. And I suppose, you know, the conversation within the family with the children to say, okay, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. This is what, this is how we're going to organize life while I'm away. We're going to do a weekly or, you know, fortnightly Zoom call together. So we've got video conversation. You can tell me about school. I I kind of almost wonder whether, you know, part of the duty of care within within the military should actually be about identifying these things for people because if it's the first time you've ever spent three or four months away the first time you've been on ops you don't know you don't know this stuff and i I just wonder whether that should be part of a a a kind of during service education i I don't know if that exists for the danish army
1: Uh, It does not, but uh, we have to remember that the situation in, for instance, Mali is not the same as in uh, Libya, as in uh, as in Afghanistan. So there are different sceneries to to every deployment. So you can't copy paste uh, from one place to the other.
0: So no, I appreciate that. I, I I think you know one of the other things now we talk about is is legacy. You know, somebody leaves the military, they they you know they're not just coming back from ops. They're actually due to leave. And we talk about the transition and the, the planning of that from probably two years before they end. How, have we got similarities here in terms of the the negative behavior after somebody's leaving the service versus they're just coming back from ops? Is there any is there anything that's been identified in in that respect? Or are there similarities or are there real differences?
1: I think the, I think the differences, uh, as, as you have probably heard, the, the, the Danish forces are bleeding at the moment uh, quite heavily because there are uh, issues they need to attend to, uh, quick, um, because, um, of simple things like barracks not being in order and the, uh, equipment not being in order outdated. So, so going from having served and then going to civilian life <clears throat> isn't Denmark not not that bigger a, uh, a difference because they have done their prior work to to finding the job. We the army or the forces give them civilian education, or they used to. So you can go and get an education if you don't already have it, and it's paid by uh, by the forces. And then you can end your contract and go out and get a civilian job. So I think the transition from one to two is. Uh, is is non-aggressive for the majority of the soldiers yes i
0: think so. And, and i think what you described there is if they're coming from an environment which is potentially under resourced or from a you know from yes. a welfare point of view maybe isn't mm-hmm. as good as it should be mm-hmm. it's almost like well now i'm going into a a, a resource rich environment where i'm going to have the things that mm-hmm. i probably should have had while i while i was serving so i i can understand the difference there. it's almost like okay i've gained something but i'm going into Yes. Almost a real posit- positive uh, environment there, um, doctor. We have a, an, an office for veteran affairs here in the UK, set up by the government. Number of great initiatives, and we've got, you know, we've got an armed forces minister and a, a minister for veteran affairs. If I was to now give you the same responsibility within the Danish uh, army or for the Danish armed forces. And you could say, look this there's, there's something that's missing or something we haven't quite addressed which we know we've got a problem to solve. There is a problem that's that, with this that we haven't quite addressed properly. what What would that be? What would you identify and what would you put in place to to make this better in simple terms?
1: Um, information to the to the families. Tell them what this is about. There are meetings prior to deployment for the for the families on family days. But just give us the truth and uh, just make sure that there's a net under uh, the families and the communities um, to fall back on uh, if we cannot deal with it ourselves. Check up on us every now and again. It doesn't cost any money to ask how you are.
0: Yeah, communication. I suppose to well. In, I suppose in civilian terms, we call everybody a stakeholder, right? So the yeah, family yeah, yeah. is a stakeholder as yes. well as the, the the person that's serving. And and there's a couple of other things here because because your son serves, right? You've been married to a serving person as well. You, you I suppose, from a from a position of of education, you you understand these things. You've seen it. You've contributed to. But how does how does your son view these? these issues is he more is he more informed would you say that he, he's in a really good place because he understands what you understand I mean how, how does that work within the family
1: well yes he's growing up with that and uh, I've had um, soldiers taking care of him giving him the father gene support understanding because I, I can't I realize I can't and I will not do everything I will not pretend to be a dad when I look like a mom so I'll get others to mm-hmm. do that job and and uh, it's been a, a good Uh, experience for him to be um, prepared for putting on the uniform and now he sees what it is, how it's working but the big ghost between uh, and among the young people is really that we don't want to be deployed because of the PTSD, we don't want to come home missing a leg, we don't want to uh, come home being angry and not being able to sit down with our families because this is the generation of children who have seen soldiers coming back from the Balkan, from um, Afghanistan and Syria. Uh, and what they notice the most is, or what I notice the most is that they they love and they hate airports. And then there's something about aggression. That's their statement. We love and hate them. And then there's the angry part. And they don't know how to deal with that. So they don't want to go um on holidays in in warm countries because warm countries hurt our family uh and we don't want to be among angry people because uh um that's what we've been shown all our lives well young people all our lives is about 15 18 years but still so that is what they tell me
0: yeah and we talked about you know the modern veteran because in this country you know the word veteran for a long time was associated with world war ii veterans and you know everybody's kind of Chelsea pensioners and not that kind of, but actually yes. we've got modern veterans who served, as you say, in the hot sandy places and they're younger. And of mm-hmm. course now children, younger brothers and sisters will have seen their older brothers and sisters go away and come back with, you know, with issues, with damage, et cetera. So yeah, it's interesting that you say there that the, the children, very wise, they can see, they can see the effect, they can see the impact. And I suppose that will be interesting in a few years time to see whether we have a recruitment challenge within getting people to join the armed forces as a result of that i would suggest is that is that, has that been seen as an impact yet
1: that is uh, the case in denmark at the moment
0: yes ah interesting interesting mm. now daughter, you obviously well versed in this and well you know understanding the issues within within the danish army um, what about other countries through Europe is this is this paralleled in other in other countries? are you aware of other countries trying to produce the books, the publications for their serving soldiers or are we sharing this across uh, across nations what's the what's the kind of reach of this?
1: no I have not <clears throat> sorry I have not heard about any other nation uh, making this attempt to uh, put in writing what is going on uh, behind the scene. Or behind the, the, the wall lines. Um, I have not heard of it.
0: Well, daughter, maybe you and I can start yeah. championing the cause to say whether this should be uh, replicated in, in other countries yes. and the lessons learned. Because I mean, ultimately, yes. I know that there are other countries that do share their research and and you know have been involved in some of that at, at the moment as well in terms of the UK and and traumatic experiences. So, yeah, collaboration is a great thing. Let's let's yeah. hope that um, maybe someone listening to this podcast can can uh, can can pick up the phone to us in there, um, daughter. One one more thing that I'd like to to come round to you, obviously, have a son who served. You've been married to a serviceman, etc. When, when you look at the armed forces, and I suppose the legacy of leaving the armed forces mm-hmm. and kind of the, the positives versus the negatives, what would you see as the as the positives that people gain when they come out of service? And you've taught many of them, and you, you know you've you've been around the environment. What would you see as the big positives from from serving? and then leaving to go on to do something else?
1: Well, the, <clears throat> they're very positive. They're very patient. They are good managers. Um, they are good critics. They uh, have an overview of situations uh, in any workplace that, yes, the rest of us can study about it, but they seem to have an overview that uh, that we cannot see um they have a take on projects that even the project educational system does not have. and they um, show uh, the way when they are in international uh, firms how we should how we should and how we should not work together. and uh, they foresee um, uh, confrontations and they try to stop them before they happen. Um, so quite a lot of good things are coming out of uh of the army with these lads being uh, civil
0: and some fantastic traits and habits and behaviours there that you've described and and almost the the irony of what maybe they're dealing with personally or their personal life behaviour with their family is probably masked you know they function fantastically well in the working environment but in the home environment there's this Jekyll and Hyde scenario is that is that fairly regular? Do you see that, that they, people at work would never know what's going on behind the scenes?
1: Within soldier to soldier, they would not uh, reveal it. Uh, but at a working place where they are starting afresh and they are anonymous, uh, they, they would share bits. And after some years, they would share more. They would probably wait to ask you around to their house for dinner but they would go to any others dinner because they are still anonymous and then they will approach you when they are good and ready
0: um daughter you give giving some fantastic insights uh, you know i was incredibly interested in in the whole producing of the books and, and actually putting that subject out in the open so to to one to acknowledge that there's an issue and secondly to really listen to the family and the children in particular, so that their voice is heard and and they're able to be part of the the, the solution, uh, I suppose in that in that respect. Um, so I'm really grateful for you coming onto the podcast. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll be talking some more down the line as well. But if you had, I suppose uh, not a warning, but a, a, a something that you would say to people who are serving, who've got a family, who you know they they're going to go away, they you know getting prepared to go away and, and plan their return. What would your advice be to the to the family? More maybe well maybe both sides. Something something for the individual, but maybe something for the family to consider as well.
1: Just be honest. Just be honest. Just say it. Say it as it is. Put it out there. Get all the emotions done with before you leave and when you're on deployment, and talk about it. Let us know how you are so that we can prepare ourselves and we can prepare you for the return, for the duration of your deployment. We can prepare the children, the family, the surroundings. Just talk to us and let us know what's going on in your head, what you have seen. Maybe we need training as families in what it is that you do see. Show us the footage, show us the photos so that we we at least can try to understand. And uh, that that is what we need
0: daughter home jakobsen really grateful if carlsberg did podcasts this would probably be the best podcast in the world <laughs> I, I i knew i'd have to get that in at some point um daughter all the way from denmark I, other lagers are available in in denmark denmark by the way but um really appreciate you coming on to the Naffy break podcast it's been really insightful and i'm, and I'm very grateful
1: thank you very much sir